Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Back to worst year ever. My name's Kyle. Mine's not. Mine's Cody Johnston. And this year is not very good so far. I'm sorry. What was your name? Ro- Robert Evans. That's Rob, the voice Robert. Of Rob Robert. Evans. Rob Robert Evans. Yeah. Rob, Robert Evans. Mm-hmm. Rob Roberts. Rob Roberts. <laughs> Rob Roberts got a nice Guys, kick to it. I know we named our podcast worst year ever, mm-hmm. but I for one am shocked that it's. A terrible year. Like so how far. present that was. Uh, like how yeah. quickly it was yeah. that. Like day one and then day two and then day three and just every single day is like, oh yeah, this is bad. Still January. Yeah, it yeah. is still January. We should have put money on this year yeah. being terrible. Yeah. <laughs> we really should have. I don't know. I don't know. Would have Nobody would have taken that bet. <laughs> you know, we're recording this uh, the week that I went to the Virginia mm-hmm. Richmond gun thing in a jig with all the <laughs> militias. That's what we're calling them. And they got me sick. They got me horribly sick. So yeah. I have I had it's the it's the, the I'm convinced it's the dreaded coronavirus. It's mm-hmm. uh not so peaceful of a protest now, is it? Mm-mm, yeah. No. They inflicted this violence is biolog- upon biological you. warfare right yeah. there. I am a terrorism. Yeah. Victim. You're uh you're in the rock. Um, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, hopefully most of you guys have had a chance to check out Robert's very well done episode that he put together um, after going 
to the Virginia. Thank you, Katie. You're welcome. Uh, protest earlier this week. Thank you. I also we, thought it was good, Robert. Okay. Um, <laughs> we too. all wanted to go. Only one of us got permission. Robert was the logical choice. Um, <laughs> and so here we are yeah. to debrief about your experiences uh, there uh, and talk about yeah. what we feel in our hearts and minds. Oh, good. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I want to start by saying I have never had so many people point guns at me without meaning to. Like a mm, shocking uh-huh. a, a shocking lack of guns, basic gun safety. Um it was pretty Alarming. pretty astonishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say about 60 to 70% of people were very safe, but I don't that's like still that thousands percentage. of people. No, that's not enough. Yeah, like I weird <laughs> like weirdly I I kind of thought that there would like the like there would be more people who were uh adhering to that like general gun safety because that's the whole idea is that like no we're safe uh secure well, gun owners idea, i mean but... uh, you know on on the surface <laughs> yeah. that's like the, that's what they yeah. want to present um so you'd think One that the they'd be like, like policing each other and like no no come on like watch your watch your finger stuff well, like that's that that's the thing you know, it's it's um I attend a lot of protests and have for years. And one thing that you always see at the left-wing protests is people who are essentially acting as like you know, they they they're doing rounds within the protest trying to like deal with interpersonal issues, arguments, fights, trying to like stop things from getting out of hand. Yeah, hall monitor and shit, but like good. Yeah, <laughs> helpful. But like good. And there really should have been People doing that, at the, if you're going to have continued armed protests, and there's already one set up for Washington in the near future, they're going to keep doing this. These people really need to have folks doing the rounds and being like, hey, you shouldn't have a 12-gauge shotgun shoved in the water bottle bottle holder of a backpack. <laughs> right. Do you right. That's, think that's, that's, that this that's was a crowd a... <laughs> of people that would be receptive to that kind of feedback? Yeah, it's, um, right. it's very Even if it's just yeah. like on an optics level. Like, ideally, yeah. Yeah. they're doing that because they actually care about safety. Right. <laughs> but yes. even just on the level of like, no, that doesn't look great for us and what we're trying to say and do here. Well, and one of the things that was like really frustrating to me was like I posted a very large and and fairly popular, you know, Twitter thread with like pictures from the rally mm-hmm. going through it. And I would take pictures of people doing unsafe things with guns. And folks would like right-wing pro-gun people would get in there and, like, argue with me about basic facts of gun safety. Like, the guy who had a shotgun in the water bottle and his gun was, like, <laughs> wildly wobbling around to the point where it was just at the edge of falling out. And they were like, well, it's probably not loaded. And I was like, but the first uh, rule of gun safety is they all are. Like, that's right, the first Every gun rule. is loaded. All guns point. are loaded. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, man. And there was another it's guy who had, safe. like, Unbelievable. That's not how we do this. Probably (laughs) isn't going to cut it for me. No. I don't know. Like, it's, uh, I'm not inherently against, I think, actually some of the most revolutionary protest actions in American history. Like, if you look at, like, the Black Panthers and Huey P. Newton, um, were were armed marches um, and armed protests. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if you look at, like, footage of the Black Panthers, they're very, like, (laughs) yeah, they're, they're, they're very safe with their fire. Well they know, yeah. I mean Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I would yeah. So that was like outside of the ideological stuff that was unsettling, like the shocking lack of fucks given about safety was was very concerning. That's yeah. Alarming. Um, Were there anyone any other ones that like stuck out to you of like, well that's terrible. 
Yeah, it was a guy who had, he was holding his shotgun up on his shoulder to a point where like the barrel was just an inch or two above people's heads mm. and had his other hand, he was had his phone in it and he was looking at his phone and walking blindly into the crowd with the 12 gauge shotgun on his shoulder. Oh, no. <laughs> it was just like, that's not, guys. I'm sure it wasn't people, loaded, again, Robert. I'm sure it wasn't loaded. <laughs> would be like posting pictures from like hunter safety courses where people hold shotguns on their shoulders and be like, no, this is okay. And I was like, no, 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 no. I've been through, I, I've gotten hunting licenses before. This is fine if you're in the forest right. and you're not staring into your smartphone. <laughs> in a crowd of th- literally thousands of people. Yeah. Um, I but talk- nobody got shot. Yeah. I mean, it seems so like good. that's, like that's part of it like the 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 shotgun on the shoulder is like oh this looks cool this is me and my cool gun being a cool guy like a lot of the things you're you saw that were unsafe were sort of fueled by just like the image of right. having a gun did you get that sense at all no you know or what? is it just careless act- yeah it was just carelessness most of the people who were there to look cool well, no, like that guy, like the most famous picture that got out is the dude who had a fifty caliber Barrett sniper rifle, right. which is a ten thousand dollar rifle, um, and he was just like he was holding it like a walking stick <laughs> half the day with like the barrel into the sky, which isn't the worst way to carry it, um, but like as a general rule, the guys who were like really heavily uh, kitted out were the ones who were at least a little better at at not sweeping everybody with their rifles. <laughs> right, right. That happened. There was a great picture going around of like a pile of rifles next to the porta potties. With like just one guy sitting there watching them. I wonder <laughs> how many people got beamed in the head with the butt of right. a rifle. You watch my there guns was a good, for me while I pee. I think it was a Daily Beast article. It might have been Vice where like the 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 journalist like walks into a guy's the barrel of a guy's gun and like then he apologizes and tells her she's okay and they have a conversation. And it was one of those like she clearly didn't know quite enough about guns to be as upset with that as she right, should right, be. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, that's like I guess that's the non-ideological stuff, just the things that like concern me that are basic safety things. And like, um, yeah, I'm curious, like what y'all thought about the episode yeah. I did. I think it's uh, interesting. And if um, you have questions to go from there. Yeah. Very interesting. And, and I saw some interactions on Twitter that might be a good jumping off point. Uh, mm-hmm. One specifically about someone was saying like, well, what exactly was the point of this episode? Or are you advocating that we shouldn't have gun laws? And, they didn't That's, listen to the episode then, right? No, but like the episode to me was intriguing and frustrating uh, at the same time because it poses this dilemma of yes, we have this problem. The how do we how do we handle it without because you have to you can't get rid of all guns. We live in America, and how do you work with people that are willing to kill to protect their their right to have a gun? <sighs> Um, how do you negotiate yeah. this? Um, and and, the, and yeah. the laws that on the surface that sound like a good answer to us will actually have all of these other unintended repercussions. What happens? Like, yes, the Democrats have taken Virginia. Um, but now that to them, to to a lot of the citizens there, that makes it feel... Like there's been like there's some like there's a real person like there's somebody that you have to fight against. The man is oppressing them. 
Um, and so it's a whole bunch of it's a very interesting conversation to have. And I think it goes well in, in line with our whole goal here, which is to talk to different groups of people and to yeah. get a snapshot yeah. of America other than the one that we see from inside of our bubble. And uh, so kudos to you, Robert, for <laughs> yeah, doing that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, to, to, to kind of answer that question, because I, I did, you know, I, I made sure to quote. Representative Lee Carter talking mm-hmm. about what he thought was was reasonable gun control laws, and I made a point about things like universal background checks, which I feel the same way that that's a reasonable gun control law. Um, there's you know, laws and, to mm-hmm. ma- that. That's a little. We'll talk about registering later. Um, oh, I, I mean, I meant, sorry, I meant reporting uh, yeah. loss of firearm. Yeah, yeah, reporting lost firearms within you know a very short period of time, um, mandating that people secure their firearms, particularly if they have children in the house. I think these are all, there's definitely a chunk of the gun rights movement, including some people I talked to in Richmond who were like, no gun control laws Mm -hmm. are justified. Mm -hmm. But if you look statistically, even something like 70 something percent of NRA members support universal background checks, those things that I just listed, you can absolutely get people on board with. And those laws would reduce some of the of the of the firearms deaths that we have in this country. That's not the end of what needs to be done, but in terms of like things that I think we should start with, those are good rules that while a lot of folks would whine about them and be conspiratorial about them and it would certainly get demonized to an extent, at the end of the day, none of those laws would lead to police officers being asked to confiscate firearms. None of them would mm-hmm. be like like and so you're not going to have the same kind of violent reaction to that, even though a chunk of people will be unhappy with them. Right. And I do think there's a degree of if you have if you pass some reasonable gun control laws that you can even get most gun owners on board with and it doesn't lead to mass confiscation and it reduces gun violence, I think it makes it easier to push for more gun control, um, mm-hmm. again, of certain types. Um, another thing that I think we have to be careful about but could be very beneficial as red flag laws. And we have to find a new name for them. The name red flag law has been demonized too much by the right wing media to, to work anymore. Right. Like they, they don't, they, the conversation is just over. Yeah. About the, the very basic of idea of, of like where, where the, the impulse comes from even is just like, no, we're not going to talk about that because yeah. Also red yeah. flag is yeah. a term used for fire days in Los Angeles. So a little confusing for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll be and okay. it, but I, I think, you know, th- there's there's good points that they do have in terms of why they think red flag laws would be dangerous, which is like most of the laws that have been the red flag laws that have been proposed are actually really vague. And you could have people having their weapons taken from them for political reasons, for right. example, which is a reason a lot of leftists don't get on board red flag laws because they're like, well, I live in a red state and they're going to use these laws to disarm left-wing organizations right i mean it's that um, in your in the episode there was that person who's like yeah I, yeah I think red flag laws are good as long as it's like about commies and antifa right. and so i can yeah. kill them so and I, I i think one significant way to to get the most benefit out of the thing that red flag laws should be um without having as high a odds of of flipping some of these people out is to focus on taking focus on in the name of the law and in the letter of the law taking firearms away from domestic abusers yeah. and have specific laws tailored just towards if you beat your spouse, if you beat your kids, you don't get to have a gun anymore. So like a um, lot of cops. Yeah, well that's part of and that's part of what I think you'd have trouble getting a lot right. of liberals yeah. on board with because we would then have to grapple with the fact that statistically between 20 and 40% of police officers are domestic abusers and police officers abuse their spouses yeah. at a higher rate than members of any other profession that in the United States. That is an alarming statistic. Yeah. 
it's unsettling, yeah. But I very much support disarming roughly 40% of U.S. police officers. Right, right. <laughs> <a> good start. <laughs> um, so I do think there's actually quite a lot that can and should be done. Um, I think one of the more dangerous things that we have in the gun control debate right now is a certain subset of Democrats who are like really obsessed with the idea of gun confiscation. Yeah, uh, Beto O'Rourke is the obvious example, and people would point out, well, he only got about 2% of the vote and they'll point that out as to be like well but he's not really a serious like mind in in the democratic party and so folks shouldn't focus on it but i'm telling you like the right wing is focused on yes. it right, and it's right. not just beto o'rourke one of the big viral stories from last year is representative eric swalwell of california um has also been talking about mass gun confiscation and he got into a twitter fight with some gun rights guy where the gun rights guy said how are you going to enforce the confiscation of firearms like you know people take to the hills and fight the government and he was like well the government has nukes and it was Ooh. like eric that's not how you did that's, not that's the... the wrong way to go oh, about this eric yeah. oh oh eric oh no um, and that's raising the temperature and making yes, it's convincing it these people irrationally but it's convincing them that there is this massive secret plot between the democrats so right when you have these terrified like democrats, people and you're like well, yeah. we'll nuke you if you fight oh my god look i'm not <laughs> i i'm not like you i i don't like guns they freak me out i don't i don't yeah. really i don't want to hold one i don't want mm -hmm. to see one sure um i will because i probably is a smart idea for me to take you up on your offer to go to a shooting range sometime but at no point does the idea of gun did has the idea of gun confiscation seemed reasonable, even though my ideal utopia world is one where we're not having this, these conversations at all because we don't have them. But um, uh, it doesn't seem like in our in our world in this climate. Uh, it, it just even if we did, even if we did somehow pass that. Um, how would you logistically do it? What, and then the reaction that people would have to it, and again, raising the temperature of everything, it just doesn't seem like the, uh, or is it helpful in this conversation, having that rhetoric thrown around? Right, especially no, when like, I, I, the stuff that you're trying, or like the things that people generally agree on are often lumped in with that. So if you lump in like, oh, and also gun confiscation, then they'll be like, well, none of the things that you said am I on board with right. now, even though if you isolate them, they basically all right. sort of generally agreed like yeah like universal background checks sure um but yeah if you mm -hmm. lump it in with because that's the thing they're most afraid of is like well i'm gonna lose my guns you know right yeah and it's you know i i think um so like the things that i try to emphasize is number one that even though the mass confiscation thing isn't actually a sizable chunk of democratic politics Folks on the right are convinced it is, and yeah. people like Swalwell and, um, and, <laughs> and that doesn't and help. Yeah. Well, I know that. everybody that I talk to that's yeah. pro gun rights and everything is like, you guys want to take away our guns, and every time it's a conversation of no, yeah. actually, that's a few people have said that, but you're buying into the narrative that that's what everybody wants to do. Yeah, yeah, and I I think uh, one of the bigger issues is that there's this. You know, it's one of the things that that Lee brought up. Uh, d there's this chunk of the mainstream Democratic Party that has so much faith in our institutions um, that they they think Still. those institutions, <laughs> yeah, they they think that like because they won an election, that that matters more than the tens of thousands of people who are willing to kill over something. Mm -hmm. um, and it 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 doesn't. Uh, like yeah. force is a a reality in American politics now. 
And the fact that a chunk of this country is willing to kill for their beliefs is a reality. And we have to be very careful when we deal with that reality, which doesn't mean we don't do anything. It doesn't mean we give them everything they want. It doesn't mean we ignore, Mm -hmm. like we don't push for reasonable, sensible gun control. But it does mean we have to be careful because force is a reality that we have to accept. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the people that I think a lot of liberals would rely on to protect them from these militias, the police, are way more sympathetic for those militias and the people in them than they are to liberals. (laughs) Well, that feels like a really good time to stop for a quick ad break. I would love to. Would you like to do an ad break? I've been waiting, yeah. We all need an ad break. Oh, gosh. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, we're back. Wow, and uh, yeah, Ooh, boy, howdy! I do love products, mm-hmm. services. I just will not shut up about Nothing products. Like a good mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. So, um, I kind of wanted to ask, like, you, you guys have anything else, like, you particularly wanted to get into questions or like things that really struck you that you'd like explained about? Like, I feel like part of one of my jobs in this. Uh, in general, is to try and because I grew up in you know as very conservative and I spent a lot of time in American gun culture, is to try to be sort of a translator for that that right. community. Um, because I do understand them pretty well. Um, even though there's certain things that you just can't explain to people who don't who don't didn't grow up in it. But like you know, I I I'm I'm here to answer those questions. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was kind of curious. You read that, um, that leftist, uh, pamphlet. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The left leaning, the left libertarian. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of curious yeah. if you had, if you spoke to anybody who like read it mm-hmm. and it was affected by it or like considered it, because I feel like that, like a lot of stuff we're talking about is like, yeah, we understand that there's like a way to talk about this and a way to sort of separate different aspects of gun control so it doesn't like freak these people out that they're going to get nuked if they they resist or whatever um but if on their side if there's any sort of like understanding of 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 that viewpoint I think there's a little bit so there was like a dinner that some of the the militias held that the John Brown Gun Club was invited to after the rally mm-hmm. which is I think is a good sign Yeah yeah um, there's certainly a sizable chunk of rally attendants that have no desire in in talking with these people. But there were also, like, you know, one of the things that I, I probably could have stood to focus on a little bit more is there were a handful of sort of left-wing pro-gun demonstrators in the crowd, including, like, uh, trans firearm rights people, gay firearms rights people, like, waving signs. And oh. I, I, there was never any kind of violence or aggression towards them. Um, there was a very small contingent of kind of a group of people calling themselves Black Panthers. It's a different than the original organization. Right. I think there's some problematic a- aspects towards this new organization. I don't know enough about it to get into it in detail. But one of the things that was really interesting to me that I I haven't really talked about yet um, that I want to is there's a strong left-wing anti-fascist activist community in Virginia um, yeah. that has been really galvanized and mobilized as a result of the 2017 Unite the Right rally. And I spent a decent chunk of the day with those people. And uh, number one, they made a very conscious decision not to protest, not to counter protest, uh, in Mm -hmm. part because they're all pretty pro-gun. But they were there. um, And they they were very intelligent about what they did. So number one, they had people, you know, just with guns walking through the crowd. Um, communicating with each other through, like, radio and text to, like, you know, when they got worried if there was, like, an argument going on between different groups of demonstrators. They had medics seated throughout the crowd. They always have medics. I love it. Yeah, and and the medics are a separate group that's working with some of the anti-fascist contingents. They're not the same organization, Mm -hmm. but they work together today. Mm -hmm. One of the places I saw was a hidden trauma clinic where they basically occupied uh, a space. I don't want to get any more... Detailed than that, but it was a, they found an empty building to occupy, and they set up a clinic for dealing with uh, gunshot wounds and whatnot Smart. like that. That was hidden and and secret, um, and did not wind up needing to be used, thankfully. But there was a lot of preparation from that community and a lot of understanding that like this is certainly not the time to counter protest. Right. Yeah. Um, but it is we we should be a part of this. And one of the things some of their activists were doing was going through the crowd and looking for explicit neo-Nazis that they recognized. I was actually there for one of those confrontations with a guy named Jovi Val, where um, an anti-fascist activist named Goad Gatsby called him out. Val is somebody who has worn swastikas at marches before, who ident- I mean, he, he admitted to being a national socialist. Yeah, he, yeah, he was like, Nazi, just said the words. Like, He's like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Okay, bro, okay, lay it all out okay. I'm not a neo-Nazi, Jovi. I'm just a national socialist, is basically oh, what he said. okay. Yeah, okay. And, um, you know, there was no, it was actually like, it was going really well. There were a group of Proud Boys who clearly seemed to be more on Jovi's side, but most of the pro-gun demonstrators 
like nobody threatened Goad, um, and a couple of them started yelling at Jovi once he admitted to being a national socialist, including one guy who was calling him a liberal. Um, like, get out of here, Nazi! You're just a liberal. And like, Nazis are liberals. One of Jovi's Nazi friends went up to him. No, Nazis were conservative. He's not a liberal. He's on the right, like us. I love that. Yeah, they're just like following around, like making sure, like, no, 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 don't worry, he's not. Yeah. And it was it was weird because like that guy was committed to the end to calling Jovi a liberal, but was also like, he's a fucking Nazi and fuck Nazis. I'm not listening to you. Like, I just heard him say he's a national socialist yeah. and I'm not okay with that. I think so it it's was like, easy that's... for us all to, that just made me think, to yeah. say these people who are really adamantly pro-guns, pro-all <laughs> this are kind of alt-right. Like, in my mind, it starts to get lumped together and it's very distinctively not, you know, that... It, I don't assume not. that everybody that's pro-gun is an alt-right. I'm just saying that in these big... Um, protest situations with everything heightened, you start to paint people with a brush is right. my point. And yes. yeah, I think there's a lot of like, there's a lot of misinformation and propaganda purposefully out there to blur those lines. Yeah. And so like, you'll get a guy who's like, oh, you're a Nazi. That means you're a liberal because right. that's what a lot of people say that Nazi means. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see those interactions where they realize like, oh, Oh no! This is who I'm aligning myself with. If they realize, if they, it. if they yeah. realize it, like that guy didn't obviously, but um, to see to see the uh, the reaction of like you're you've got these sort of like fascist leaning opinions, and then someone's outright like, oh, by the way, I'm a national socialist. Um, I'm I'm just always interested to see the process, the thought process that reacts to that realization. Um, yeah, it's not always great, and it you know again usually means that they think that they're a liberal or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's just, I, I'm always fascinated to see those uh, those light bulb moments, mm-hmm. even though they're kind of rare. Yeah, and it's you know I I can't say that I think a huge number of people were convinced or changed their minds on anything as a result of sort of those pamphlets being pra- passed out. <laughs> Highly doubt it. Yeah. Club. Um, but I think it's a start, and I think it's good that those conversations are being had. And you know, one of the things that's tough, I think there is the potential for a reduce, uh, like reduced conflict between left and right as the result of this growing left wing gun culture that's really surged since 2016. But I think there's really no way it's going to take off until something is done about this right wing media ecosystem. Yeah. Um. Because it is an impenetrable wall of lies that the inevitable end, if we don't find a way to break it, is war. I I, I really do think that. Like, I don't think it's inevitable that there's going to be some sort of civil war. But if we don't find a way to beat this thing, Mm -hmm. I do think it's inevitable. Well, yeah, there's no. It's the logical conclusion of what they're saying and perpetuating. Like, I don't think it's like, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's like going to happen, but there is an element of like, well, that what are they saying? What are mm-hmm. they, what are they pushing people towards? How do they, how do they constantly talk about this topic? Um, and then you have, yeah, like all these, like just right wing fingers talking about, I mean, they don't use the word boogaloo, but they talk about how the left wants a civil war when actually that's what they're talking yeah. about. That's right. what they're craving. And, and there's guys, and you know, thankfully Alex Jones. He's important to talk about. He is much less of a factor than he used to be because his his deplatforming has really cut down on his audience. <laughs> but he is part of this crew of folks for who the only the only future he and a, a cadre of his his fellows have is if there's a civil war. Yeah. 
because if things get de-escalated, if things if we are able to build some sort of san- coalition of sanity in this country again, um, not only are they doomed, but they're going to wind up and continue spending the rest of their lives in court until they have nothing left, which is where Jones is right now, right. which is part of why he is so heavily pushing for a civil war. Mm-hmm. He was talking about like stomping the governor of Virginia's head skull into the ground. Like while yeah. driving around in a tank he and seems, calling for 1776 again, right? He seems uh, to be ramping up now. Like it's yeah. he's he's pushing yeah. it even further. Well, it's um, an election year. It is an election year, but and yeah, mm-hmm. and like that. If if it does de-escalate, then he loses that sort of relevance and yeah, uh, and his his hold on that group of people. Probably a lot of media, but a lot of right wing media. Uh, relies on hysteria yes. to keep their viewership engaged. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, a lot of yeah. I, I say a lot no, of media, know, yeah, but yeah. It, a lot. I mean, him specifically. Wing. He's obviously selling like you know, like combat wipes and stuff, and like all the survivalist uh, gear, uh, and pushing for the for the use of that. Yeah, and it's uh, there's two sides to this because on sort of the the left wing side of this, there is this need to pretend that everything is fine and that both sides of this political equation are equally rational. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this, I had an interview with the BBC the night of the Richmond thing. They saw my Twitter thread. I have a decent connection with them. And like the, 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 um, the, the, the reporter on BBC radio who I was talking with kept going back to like, but it was a peaceful rally, right? So like, why are you worried? And I was pointing out like, well, the people with right-wing death squad patches and the people fantasizing about a civil war and the people saying that, like, I just want a war to start, those people worried me, especially when they're marching with rifles. Also, like you pointed um, out in our episode, your episode of our show, yeah, part of the reason it was peaceful is that the FBI did a lot of work. Yeah, the planned Ex- yes. attacks F- that were thwarted. Yeah, and the the specific thing that was not, the information was not out when I wrote that episode, but it came out the next day, which is that, uh, like, the FBI busted those members of the base as, while their car was loaded up with survival supplies, ammo, and firearms on their way to Richmond with the goal of assassinating some gun owners or Uh cops with high-grade equipment, taking it, and then firing at counter-protesters or just into the crowd or throwing fireworks into the crowd to spark a panic and get people shooting. And it, it huge numbers of people could have died. And I don't normally find myself on the side of, I'm really happy the FBI had its shit together. <laughs> right, they right, did right. a very good job of, about dealing with this, and I'm very glad they're taking it seriously. Yeah, Because um, all it takes is I, one incident like that. Like, it's the, like, yeah. the thinking behind all these accelerationists. It's like, well, you do this mm-hmm. one thing, and then it's a powder keg. Yeah, they. Um, I'm glad they did what they did, and I think they saved a shitload of lives by doing it. In um, contrast to being on MLK am... Day when they urged him to kill himself. Yeah, well, you know, they've, I, you know, if it, look, if you want to look at it as like a hero's <laughs> journey, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. they've definitely had a positive arc. I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad they did what they did. I am concerned because these rallies are going to keep happening. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's only January. <laughs> Yeah, it's only January. This will happen several more times this year, and God knows, like one of my nightmare scenarios is that there winds up being, whoever winds up being the Democratic candidate decides that part of their election strategy is going to be advocating for an assault weapons ban, and a group of white right-wing demonstrators in a state where it is legal to open carry protests outside of that candidate's rally 
and there is a confrontation between them and liberal demonstrators, and things get very ugly. But I don't um, like this what if. Yeah. No. You know, one of the things that is... And it, it, it's really interesting, because like I, I was just g- giving a lot of praise to the FBI, because I think they saved a lot of people's lives by having their shit on the ball. I have nothing but condemnation for how... Eh, condemnation is not the right word. I'm very frustrated with how the Richmond police handled this demonstration. Oh, yeah? Because the Richmond police in specific, whenever there are left-wing demonstrators who do not demonstrate with firearms, they are extremely violent. Yeah. Um, with tear gas, with sticks, with shoving, with like, 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 like they, they, they use a huge amount of force. And it, it's a felony in Virginia to protest, to like obscure your identity with a mask. And they arrest left-wing demonstrators. Instantly, they, ta- they tackle them. Like they go all yes, out to they get use people with masks. Extreme yeah. But they were okay violence. with it this time. Yes. Wasn't there, there was like one person, right, that was arrested this was time? Was that it was cold, and the one person who was arrested at this rally was a left-wing demonstrator uh, who had a mask I didn't know that. Face. I knew that there was one person um, that didn't, yeah. Deeply infuriated. Well, there's so many people um, with very, their faces covered at that rally. Yes, like huge everywhere. numbers of them. Um, and the police could not have been more hands-off. Uh, the only time I saw them intervene directly was when Goad was arguing with Jovi Val, and there was no violence. Nobody was shoving each other. Nobody was pointing guns at each other. But the police did the thing where they all ride their bikes into the middle and wall everyone off. And it was like, these are two groups of people talking. What are you doing? And like, again, I spent a lot of time with these street medics who were um, these with both different groups of street medics and separate groups of anti-fascists. And the only people I saw followed by police for blocks in some cases were street medics. Unarmed street medics. Um, you could watch the police following them, sometimes for like a half mile or more, just God. like staying a block or two away. But it was just like, what are you doing? These people are just carrying medical supplies. Unbelievable wow. waste. God. Um, it was very frustrating. All cops are behind the bastards fans. I, 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 I will say one of the lessons of this rally that maybe some folks on the left might take is that it certainly seems that if you have a huge heavily armed protest, the police stay the hell away. Um, which was seen at the Stone Mountain. One of the things that happened last year is there was a KKK rally planned for a place called Stone Mountain, Georgia, where there's a giant uh, uh, monument to the Klan's leaders. And an alliance of anti-fascist groups from the South and the East Coast got together to march on Stone Mountain. And they marched with guns. And there were like 400 of them, all with, with firearms. And the KKK refused to show up and the police stayed the hell back while they went up, marched up to the side of this monument and burnt a Confederate flag. Um, and there was no intervention, and it was a very peaceful rally, and the Klan was not allowed to march. Um, and I do think there might be... It's one of those things where I also suspect that if this had been 22,000 armed leftists, maybe there would have been a bigger crackdown, or maybe the governor would have, would have done more to try to stop it. I don't right. know. There's not a simple answer here. But I can say I have never seen police in this part of the country be this hands off with a protest of this size. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Feels counterintuitive, especially about yeah, like the I mean, the mask thing is something that yeah. they take advantage of in most demonstrations uh, of recent years that I've seen. Not great. Yeah, not great. Very frustrating. Um, so I don't know. It's a there was a mix of it was really kind of inspiring to see the um these different medic collectives and anti-fascist yeah. collectives who had done a very intelligent job of 
setting up self-defense structures throughout mm -hmm. the city in order to protect people at this rally without them knowing it. Mm -hmm. And the level of organization that I saw there and the level of planning that I saw there was very yeah. inspiring. Um, um, and I'll um, say, I mean, there certainly are mm -hmm. some some takeaways that you can can be inspiring. Um, for me, I feel like I have a little bit of a better understanding of this topic and how to talk about it with people. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be really important for the next always. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But, but yeah, and and also yeah, your conversation about the you know the left libertarians and how they are having that conversation that is something positive that we can focus on. Yeah, and the I mean the the medic thing too because that's I mean that's true of all of these protests. Like the um, the narrative is always like all these violent Antifa folk. They always bring medics and have yeah. have that uh, mm -hmm. apparatus ready in, in case something goes wrong. And they all, I always see people like de-escalating situations and trying to to not have these sort of like mm -hmm. little scuffles or like little acts of violence pop up. And uh, that's I wish there was more about that because mm -hmm. leading up to this, there's always like. Oh, like the media is making out this big thing, like oh, there's gonna be all these like right wing, like not like fascist marching, um, and the leftists yeah. are gonna go and they're gonna cause trouble. It's gonna be this big thing, and then when it's peaceful, uh, it's presented like oh, the media made it all up. It's like the you know I, I don't know. It's very it's very frustrating with how it's framed, and then after the fact, it's presented as this like oh no, just all these like reasonable people showed up, but like as you saw all these folks with like yeah. right wing death squads, like these like people wanting violence, but not necessarily doing it. And then on the left, you have just these quiet groups of people who are trying to deescalate and trying to make sure if anyone gets hurt, we take mm -hmm. care of them. And that always seems to happen at protests, but it's always framed as like the violent left. And it's just, it's a, that's just very frustrating um, to see, especially a lot of the figures that, like the right wing, like vlogger ecosystem mm -hmm. um, or like, I say right wing. I mean, like people presenting themselves as like I'm a classical liberal, but really I'm I'm yeah. not. And I yeah, I just I I understand why it needs to be sort of covert, but also I wish more people knew about it because it's playing into what the media wants to be seen. Yeah, yeah, and the media I think more than anything always wants conflict. Um, right. I mean, when the Joker came out, they were like, there's still not a shooting at a Joker screening. Yeah. And there was this also this one of the most frustrating pieces of coverage of this prior to the event was um, a Vice article saying that a, a, a Virginia area Antifa group was going to be marching at the rally in support of, of the, the rally and gun rights. And the actual interview, they were like, well, we're not going to be showing up there because there's a lot of racist militias there and we don't want to support that. We're also not against gun rights. We tend to, we think these laws are bad too. Right. Um, we're just not going to show up there. And Vice, like, just lied, basically, uh, and made it look cool. like these guys were going to be demonstrating with these militias. Um, and so suddenly they got deluged in press requests from guys who wanted to hang out with Antifa at this rally. And it had to be like, we're not, that's not what we said. Right. This article <laughs> right. was terribly written and basically just lying. It was very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And all, all, always stuff like that. Like even like, oh, they're all these like Antifa, they're going to go and they're going to pretend to be part of the, the right wing march and they're going to cause trouble to like frame them. And I don't know. It's just, it's so easy for those things to snowball and then get lost in mm -hmm. the truth. And yeah. Well, I think that uh, about does it for us today. Unless you guys have anything else to throw out there, I couldn't agree with you more. That you that couldn't about agree with me does more. It for us today, I agree with you completely yeah. about that. 
Um, I love it when things you guys are done for can us. find us online at Worst Year Pod on the socials. Mm-hmm. On the socials, I'm speaking specifically about is Instagram and Twitter. Don't know why I'm saying it like this. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll be back next week, so don't worry about it. That's true. It is true. Robert, thank you so much. Yeah, I really, really appreciate you and and the work you did on this. We love you and miss you. Yeah, I miss y'all too. We'll um we'll have to go have us a party uh at, at one of these events next. Maybe CPAC. Maybe we'll all go yes. to CPAC. Party yes. at CPAC. That sounds yeah. So party boring. at CPAC. <laughs> Lanyard party I don't, at I CPAC. Don't know. Um, take ecstasy and talk to Tucker Carlson. It's gonna bring us all together. I would, I would enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. All right. Have a great weekend, guys. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l e e s a dot com slash iHeart.